This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Hello and welcome along to the latest episode of the Rugby Pod Sessions. I'm joined by a friend of the show, former Wales and British and Irish Lions legend Andy Powell. How's London treating you, mate? You're back in the big smoke. Yeah, mate, it's uh, it's good. It's good to be back. Um, I had two years here playing for Wasps and uh, it's just a whole thing. You know, everything's so wild and everything's so much is going on, but it's great to be back. You know, you're probably well recognised when you were here. You still recognise as much. I mean, you must have got a, got a few fans on the way over here. It's funny actually. I said to the taxi driver, um, "Can he take us to the place?" And he said, "Yeah, no problem." He goes, uh, "What are you doing up here?" I said, "I'm doing a little bit of work." And uh, I said, "I stayed here for two years before." And he said, "Oh, what do you do?" I said, "I was a bit of a rugby player." And he goes, uh, "What's your name?" I said, "Andy Powell." He didn't have a clue. <laughs> but I, I then said, yeah. "I said you might know me for a better reason." I said, uh, "Taking a golf cart than the M4." He said, "Blooming hell, you're that header. You're a legend." <laughs> <laughs> so, what actually happened there? Like, what, what, what got you into it? Tell me the whole story. What got you into this golf buggy? What were you doing? Well, we beat Scotland, and we were 20, uh, 23-13 down. And probably in my eyes, the best player to play for Wales, Shane Williams, scored that late try, and we won the game by one point. Oh, is that where Jim always goes on about how he went off and then Scotland he, lost? He lost, that game? he lost the game for Scotland, yeah. Right. But um, it was one of those, it'll probably never happen again. And we went back to the Vale. We all had a few beers and things got out of hand. I needed a pack of fags at the time. I decided to go for food because I was still playing. Yeah, and I decided to take the, the golf cart and the M4 to get a pack of fags. Managed, as you do. Managed to get there. And um, I thought I was running out of fuel. So I decided to go outside a petrol pump. And I put the cord under the top, put the fuel in. And as I'm coming around, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this thing is battery propelled. And so I've had a bit of a shocker. And then, yeah, it was a bit of a wild night. But um, How fucked were you? Oh, mate, I was pretty pissed, I tell you. I was, uh, I was gone. But you can imagine all the Scottish players were on the table, not drinking their wine. So I thought all the Welsh, typical Welsh, just get over there, drink as much as we can and enjoy the night. But... Um, yeah, something I'll something I'll learn. <laughs> so you got so you go all the way to the petrol station. You start trying to fill up your electric go- golf buggy with with fuel. Then what happens? I- well, I think I started to sober up a little bit, and I'm just looking at the nozzle, saying this vehicle is battery propelled, and I've gone. I guess what am I doing? And then I was in a copper pulled up behind me, and he said. Well, he just said to me, jump in the car, take you home, hush, hush, nothing will be done. But then his sergeant got on the blower saying there's some lunatic going down the M4 in the, in the hard shoulder doing eight mile an hour. <laughs> so at least I didn't get a speeding ticket. <laughs> and so so the sergeant gets on the line, the cop was going to take you home, then, then where do you go? So he took us back to the Vale, that's where we were staying, yeah. all the Welsh team. And 
as I was about to get out the car, he's gone, mate, I'm awfully sorry, but the sergeant just got on the phone. And yeah, that was it. I was screwed, really. So i done the time, done the crime, and eventually got back to play for Wales. So it was quite good. Oh, yeah. So I went on all accounts, really. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> fun along the way. So did you get your, your pack of fags or what? I did get the 20, yeah. There was a shout about how um, the cop took you in to um, buy some Maccas or something like that. Did that happen? Yeah, I was with a, a mate from Brecon. He's good friends of mine. And they locked him up. And I said to the cops, before he put me in, in the cell, all I want is a McDonald's. And fair dues to him. Typical Welsh cop. I had my 20 chicken nuggets and a cheeseburger. And then I had to go back in my cell. So, you know, it's, it's, it's done. How good's that, though? Cops just sorting you out, getting you some chicken nuggets, some Maccas. That's the way they should be, shouldn't they? What's it, what's it like for you now you've moved from being a player and now you're a coach? Do you find you have to change things up as far as your partying goes? or you, like, Are you still able to cut loose with the lads or is it a bit different now? Because you're coaching, who are you coaching at the moment? Brecken. Brecken. No, that's a good question because, you know, I have been wild, of course, but, you know, what I've achieved in my career, you know, I've done a lot and I think people forget me for achieving that lot. They just remember that one story, you know, which is probably fair enough. Great story. Yeah, it's a great story. But I think... I look at the players I'm with now and around and, you know, I'd say to them, you have to sort of learn off me a little bit, but, you know, they respect me and, you know, we we all go out for a beer and have a beer every five or six weeks, but, you know, I think we're focusing on winning the league at the minute and the cup. So, you know, i got a good bunch of boys around me. As far as your rugby career goes, obviously, like, it's it can be a bit disappointing when people talk, like, just remember you for the golf caddy in- incident, but... Like what what sort of highlights do you have from from your playing days? Like who's the what's the biggest highlight that you had? I'd probably say getting capped at the age of twenty eight in the first cap against South Africa. Not just getting man in the what match. What took you so long? Oh, I mean, I think I think it took a lot of coaches to work me out. I think I was, of course, I've been very wild in my time and hard on the piss, but is he hard yeah, on the field as well? Yeah, and I used to, you know, maybe I used to turn up training fitness after being on a night on a smash and. I still used to beat everybody in fitness and the coach didn't like it, and which is probably fair enough, but a decent coach probably would have pulled me aside and said, Anne, we know you like a beer, but just do it the day before, not the, two days before, not the day before. <laughs> but um, that's what Warren Gatlin, I tell you something now, that guy is one of the best man managers I've ever met in my life. Is that right? Why? In, if, you, if you're a wild person and you do things by the rule book, where Sam Warburton, what he's achieved is unbelievable, and he was a very straight person, didn't mm. step out of line where maybe I stepped out of line. But Warren Gatt would say to me, if I did step out of the line a little bit, you'd just say, you'd just bring me back in a little bit and get me back in the straight and narrow. So for a guy to do that, you know, I got a lot of respect for. Have you got any sort of moments where you can remember him doing that? I think, yeah, we beat England on a Friday night. And I think we had 23-16. You'd been on the piss for a fortnight the whole way all leading up to the game beforehand? No, definitely not. It's not a bar-bars now. <laughs> But um, you got to the game, you're hammered. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. But um, we celebrated for three days after, and um, we went back on a Monday or Tuesday, I think, training. And something well, we all kicked off in Cardiff. A few of the boys went a bit mental, and we went to walk about. And a few stories started to come back. One of the guys pulled all the speakers at the band, and all the sparks are going everywhere. And then one of the guys was tackling one of the boys off the stool, chucking pool balls at the optics behind the bar. Yes. I was, I wasn't one of those. Of course, but, you weren't. But um, it was. It was a good night, but then you have to face the consequences on a Tuesday morning, which uh, it didn't go down too well. So what did Get say? Well, he made us feel very sketchy for about two days, but then he goes, I had you, lads. I made you feel very sketchy. 
But um, he's a is good. Is that pl- all he did? Yeah, that's all he did. He just puts uh, the nervous pressure on you. Is he? Is he? Pro- would you say he's the best coach you've had? He's one of them. I pro- yeah, Ian McIntosh is a good coach in South Africa yeah. um, when I was playing for Newport. Very good coach. Um, yeah, just knew how to work me out, get the best out of my game, and you know we had a great side at the time. You had Gary Teichman, Shane Howarth, Andy Marinos. So you know there was a lot of good players there too. God, you're going back a few years now. Two thousand and one. Gee, Shane Howarth, very straight back when he runs. Yeah, very no, straight, upright. Very yeah, he? good yeah. player, great guy. Yeah. Hell of, a, hell of a player for Auckland back in the day. Yeah, a legend of a yeah. guy. Um, and Gary Teichman, I think he played for Natal Sharks as well before he came over, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Mate, he was amazing, amazing for the box. For I, the think, box. I think learning just learning so much off him as a player was absolutely, you know, fantastic. You've talked a couple, you've mentioned it a couple of times about how coaches worked you out. If if I was your coach right now, like how how would I work you out? Like how does that how does that happen? Well, we've just had two pints of Guinness, so we're we're perfect now. I feel like I've worked you out. Yeah, well, you've definitely worked me out. <laughs> but I can remember um, after the South Africa game, me and Gats would just have a beer together, and he'd just be yourself. It was just well, like me and yourself now, mm. and that's the best way. If you've got confidence in that, you play so much better, and you've got so much respect for him. Where some coaches try to play mind games, and oh, yeah, fuck, fuck that, don't do mind games. Can you remember any coaches that did play mind games with you? Well, there's, a, there's a few. Can you can you name anyone or no? There's one. There's a coach, Lee Jones. Um, he's probably he, he was the understudy to Eddie Jones, and I think he's got one of the, the highest grades coaching levels you can get. But that guy, the biggest tool ever. Really? Yeah. Just no respect for him. So what did he do? Just to, I played. Uh, we played Swansea one game, man of the match, or played very well. He dropped me the week after. He goes, I just want to see what you liked when you dropped. So to me, that was just like, you don't do that. You know, I think there's, it's like horses for courses in racing. It's similar to rugby. You know, you get different coaches will like that individual where others don't. So I think you just have to take it with a pinch of salt and just get on with it. So why don't you just wait till you need to drop me and then see how I react? Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise you don't need that information. No, exactly. That's, that's the way it should be. Um, I cut you off before when you were talking about um, your career highlight at the age of 28 being capped. Can you tell me more about that? I think um, well, I turned professional. I was 18 in Newport, and I think I made the my first Welsh squad at 19. I was coached under Steve Hansen, and you know, you know, for what he's done for New Zealand has been fantastic. But there was another guy who there was ways he was coaching. You'd have to fall the right way where the ball was passed from. If he didn't do that. He probably wouldn't get in the squad. So it was quite well, rob- handsome, was like that. Yeah, he was quite robotic at the start oh, of his career. Before, really? Yeah. So talk to me more about that. Like what? It was I just understand. you were thinking of stuff that you didn't need to think about. Didn't, yeah, instead of doing what your natural talent is, just to play rugby and do it off the cuff, you were thinking, right? I need to fall this way. I need to do that way. And it was very hard to adjust. But then it didn't help me as a 19-year-old. I slagged somebody off in the press um, saying that this one, on. this one outside I should have been playing in front of the other. And he called me into the office. That's a rookie mistake, though. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't it, what, have done that. Yeah, it was a bad, it was a bad thing what you did. <laughs> so he called me in the office and he said, do you think you should be doing that at the age of 19? I said, well, I think I'm right. And he says, well, no, you're not right, but I'm the coach. I'll be picking the best 10. And he said, how would you leave this room? I said, well, just walk at the door and just go down the stairs. He said, no. What you would do, you take your eyes off me first, you take your hands off the chair, you turn your body 180 degrees and walk out the door. I'm thinking... I don't want this. All I want to do is just play rugby. But I think he's changed now. Yeah. So was that was that the end of that for you with Steve Hansen? Or? 
Yeah, he, I think he went. Then Mike Ruddock took over, and I think I went back into my next squad at the age of 22. And then I think I went back at the age of 24, didn't get in. So I went four years. I had two shoulder reconstructions then, in between that. And then probably the best man who's come across, Gatlin, knew I had the talent and just, yeah, gave me an opportunity and took it with both hands. Knew that you just needed to sit down and have a beer with him and he'll be okay. Just put your arm around me, give me a pint of Guinness and I'm perfect. <laughs> so, then, so then we get to this point that we've been making about you getting to the highlight of your career, being 28 and you capped. What was that like for you after all those years, being in the squad since, well, you, you first got on the squad when, what, you are 19? Yeah. You get capped when you're 28. When, when you're in the squad at 19 you, and someone said, you're not going to be capped till you're 28, you're thinking, fuck this. Oh, yeah, I would have gone, fuck so, it, I'm not having this, no. So now you're 28, you're getting capped, you're going out, you're putting on the Welsh jersey. What was that like for you? I think just walking out to the stadium when you're walking out, both teams, South Africans, the Welsh, and you're just walking out and you're thinking, oh, my God, I've worked hard to get here. Let's not blow it. But I was going back through all the bad times thinking, right, I'm here now. Let's go and show everybody that I was meant to be here. And when I had that man of the match and played outstanding against the Safes, it was like, it wasn't like to prove anybody else. It was just for myself. I did it for myself, my family, but my family knew that I had the talent and I could have done it. Where I probably needed that arm around my shoulder beforehand. Some players do, some players need to be shouted at. I'm a little bit of both, where probably in my early career I needed my arm around my shoulder just to, you know, guide me into the right direction. So you got man of the match and, and um, you know, you play a hell of a game and, and you're saying that it was more for your family, but there must have been, there must have been an element during that game where you're thinking, I'm, I am going to show these guys, I'm going to... It, it felt natural. I went out there. You're playing against, I think at the time, they were second best in the world. You know, they're giving New Zealand a good run for the money in the games. And I went out there and it didn't feel like, it felt like any other game when I was 14, 15 growing up. Just get out there, do your bet. There's no politics involved. Just go out and play rugby. And that's what rugby's about. Just playing, mm. fronting up, give it your best shot. If it doesn't go well, you get back on the horse the next week and you go again. But lucky enough for me, it went, well, I couldn't wish for a better debut, really. Because I... I've only watched you play one game um, and I didn't actually know I was watching you play that game and, until we were at the pub earlier and you were telling me you were playing that game but you, you had a hell of a performance and it was against um, against Wales in the uh, World Cup in Hamilton. I was there, I was sitting sideline and you made, what, how many tackles? 28 or something like that? The most tackles you've ever 20, made? 26 tackles. It was crazy. When, when you're playing against teams like Samoa, who you should beat, and then you're playing against teams like South Africa who you're thinking this could go either way, and you, then you're playing against New Zealand who you're probably thinking this, this could go tits up. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> like, but how much harder is it playing against someone like Samoa who you know those guys are massive and they're going to smash the shit out of you for 80 minutes? I think that's just, I think that's a, well, it's a good point. I think it's a Welsh thing. We always struggle against the island sides like Fiji, Samoa, Tonga. I, I don't know if we're scared of them, but I think we're scared of getting our heads taken off we're against South Africa Australia Argentina we seem to play well but I think there's a little bit of fear and I probably some a few players maybe back me up on this it's a little bit of fear when we play against the Islanders really yeah I think yeah we're South Africa when they play there's no fear at all so there's a little bit more fear when you're playing against Islanders is that because you don't play against them that often or is that because they hit really hard or is that because that, they love the physicality more than other teams or yeah I think it's the physicality part I think they put you off your game then you go into that little shell but yeah, it's funny that the other home nations don't really struggle against them and I think Wales 
It was, I think it's the autumn series this time around. It's the first time we've really put Tonga to, to the bed. But usually before, we, we do struggle. So that Wales at the World Cup, I mean, you, you come through poor play, you're getting beaten up by, by Samoa and other teams like that. Um, but, but then you guys get to the semi-final and it goes tits up in a big way for you guys. That would be a red card now, but back then, debatable. How was that? Man, they must have been devastating. You guys were robbed. I think at the time, you know, we had such a good squad, a young squad. I think, I'm going to say it, I think we were the fittest at the everybody. We trained hard. We went to Poland twice. We did a cryotherapy. We were just in a state where we felt that we were unbeatable. You know, we played some great rugby. We beat Ireland in the quarters. Then we had uh, France in the semis and, you know, that Warburton red card, it was definitely not a red. And But we still were dominant when he got sent off. So it was just one of those games, I think, the French are holding on. We should have won. And speaking to a few of the Kiwis after the final, they were saying, we didn't want to play you in the final. Who, who, who are you speaking to? Richie McCaw said a few words and, yeah. you know, just the other players. And they were saying, they, they just wanted France, well, they wanted France in the final. Sure. And so when they were saying that to you, <laughs> that obviously it's coming from some some high praise coming from Richie McCaw saying that to you, but like, that must have been very bittersweet thinking shit you guys could have won the World Cup. You know, you're taking compliments of a legend and you know, but then we went into the third round playoff. But, you, then. but you're like, fuck, we could have won the World Cup. Yeah, Don't we, say that to me, mate. Yeah, we you know, we were gutted. We should have won it and that penalty which just went under the crossbar at the end just didn't go and then, you know, our luck was wasn't supposed to be. I wanna talk about uh the Lions tour to South Africa. <laughs> hey, that must have been loose. It's the best dark trip I've ever been on. <laughs> I said that to Keach after the after we'd done it, and uh, we all had like a kangaroo court. Everybody, all, well, me and Tim Payne dressed up as ladies. We'd, we'd just come in from the night out, just some random dresses, and we were late coming to the meeting. And uh, Keach goes, "Where you been?" I said, "I just come in now." I said, "But Keach, I'll tell you one thing. This is the best dark trip I've ever been on." And the boys <laughs> just erupted. Keach was loving it. Everybody was loving it. And but I tell you something now. What, wait, hang on, wait, why, why were you just coming in for the night out? Is that, is that, were you at the end of the tour? Have you we're, finished? Or was, the there end, wasn't the meeting, the, the pre-game meeting or anything? No, it was the end of the tour. Where, right. So I think we're about half an hour late. But um, oh, I tell you, what a, what a tour. Met some great characters. I think um, Paul O'Connell, Ron Nagara, I got on with Stephen Ferris, you know, Jamie Heasley. You've been, I've been in a lot of squads and there's always some dickhead. But I tell you, that squad, everybody just gelled from the moment and good friends now. So, mm. you know, you'll always, good memories. Um, have you got any stories from that, the best stag do in your life? Oh, my God, I've got a few. I don't think I can say them, but yeah. No, I'll tell yeah, yeah, you. Can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can, Bagrat. I remember the one, I, we were playing on a Wednesday, midweek game, and um, there's a place called Michigan's, and it's like a bit of a strip club. So uh, I'd gone out with a few of the lads. The boys said, you can't go behind there. I said, yeah, watch this now. So I went behind the curtain with these strippers. No. And as the curtains come across, there's about 40 of these girls, bollock, bollock naked, and there's about 400, 500 Lions fans singing, there's only one Andy Powell, and I'm with all these girls on the stage. So it was a, it was a good tour. <laughs> it, was a, it was quality, I tell you now. What are you doing? Oh, I know. So they pull the curtain, you're behind it with 40 naked hot strippers, yeah. and all the Lion fans are singing, there's only one Andy Powell. I think Stephen Ferris was in the front. He wouldn't get up there. For, well, you could probably see why, but um, it was it was good. There's a few characters on that tour, wasn't there? Was Harry Ellis was there. Harry Ellis, top bloke. Paulie Connor was a good character. Um, was, you got any stories on Harry Ellis? I've, I've heard some filth from Jim Hamilton about him. Is he, what's, what's he like to talk with? I tell you, 
he was more of a wilder guy in Leicester, but on the on the Lions tour, he was he was quite chill. Okay, let's talk about him on in Leicester then. What was he what was he up to then? Well, I joined Leicester after coming back from France, and Jim Hamilton, and Harry Ellis were really close, so I got to get into that little group, and we used to go on a Wednesday club into Leicester, and um, well, back then we could uh, we could pull the ball, the birds a lot better than we did now, but. Um, <laughs> It was good. It was uh, we we can't get into detail, but it was it was good fun. Can you give us any stories about Harry Ellis? Or oh, no? No, fuck no stories about Harry Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you gel with any of the um, South Africans? Do you have any? Because who, who were who were playing back then? Was it Bucky's and Matt, Matfield that were? Uh, Charles Berger. Uh, you were PS Spies. Um, did you get to know any of those guys on, on the lines? Yeah, well, I think um, Schalke was out for a while. I think he, I think he was banned for a bit and. We used to go to this little bar on a Wednesday night after the game and we used to be do drinking together. But then when his band was up, he made the final test or the last two tests. You know, Bucky's brother's a legend of a guy. Mm. What what a, and Victor Matfield, what a great guy. Top people, good fun. And, he, like, you know, friends for life. Because you, you've told, you told me a story in the pub earlier about um, some run-ins you had with Bucky's brother back in the day. Can you, can you tell us that story? Yes. First cap, uh, I think it was like 20 minutes to go. Bucky's brother's come on his short line. Oh, is this your first cap for, for Yeah, against South Africa. Oh, and he's uh, he's come on his line. He wasn't wasn't getting the ball. And I just whapped him as hard as he... He's gone up in the air, landed on his back. And I say, get up here, fucker. Straight like this to him. And he's looked at me. He said, my friend, I will fucking kill you. So I'm looking for him for the next 20 minutes in this game, thinking he's going to kill me. After the game, he comes up to me. He goes, I didn't get you in the game, but my friend, I will get you back somewhere in the future. I'm thinking, mate, you probably won't play against me ever again. Two years later, I signed for sale, Sharks. Heinen Cup game against Toulon. I'm looking in the program now, in the dressing room, thinking, oh, my God, i got this crazy mad bastard back. He's brother playing at lock. I'm starting at eight. Two minutes left from the game, sale against Toulon. I've gone for a jackal, and he's wiped me clean out off the ball. He grabs me on the scruff. He goes, Pauline, my friend, I told you I'd get you fucking back. <laughs> and it took him two years fucking late. He didn't forget one bet. Oh. But we had a pint after, and he did. Well, he doesn't drink. He had a, I think he had a pint of squash, but what a legend of a guy. Oh, revenge is best served cold, isn't it? Yeah, but what a player. You were known uh, for back in the day for uh, firing up the troops at half time as well, weren't you? I was told you this fucking story now. <laughs> Italy. Tell me about that. Yeah, we were we were losing to Italy out in Rome, and Gatlin's sort of doing his talk at halftime, bollocking the boys. So I've just got up, gone absolutely mental, saying we're playing like a bunch of twats. And so I've gone to leave the dressing room, pull this door open, and all the mopping buckets have just fallen out the door. I've pulled the wrong door to go out to the, <laughs> the, the change room. So all the boys start laughing, Gatlin starts laughing, and then we go out, and lucky enough, we beat the Italians. So I was, I was, he was that down to the. The broom cupboard, so. Sometimes you have to take one for the team, don't you? Well, it's always my fault, isn't it? You, you used to um, room with Mike Phillips, didn't you? Yeah. How was that? Was he good fun? Mike was a good guy. I tell you, one thing with Mike, he's, a, he's, in a, he's I think he's in Dubai now, married, but he was a great roomie. I'd always go back first, and uh, he'd always come back with the two ladies. and uh, Brilliant. He'd fall asleep, and then um, I'd share my McDonald's with the rest of them. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> Any other stories about Mike Phillips? I heard a story about him on a plane. Or was that you? Yeah, well, um, we were coming back from the World Cup and I think Matt, most of the management had gone back in this one plane and 
I think we were left with Dan Barr and Alan Phillips, the team manager. So we were trying, we were on the back of the plane trying to do the David Boone's record, the cricketer, 56 cans on a plane yeah. on the way back from New Zealand to uh, Heathrow. We were doing, I got to 36 cans and I started to feel a bit bloated. So I've gone on the vodka and Red Bull, trying to get a bit of energy to carry on. So Mike Phillips has started to play up now on the plane, like Mike Phillips does now and again. So Dan Barr's put a, a sleeping tablet in his red wine. So he's sort of necked it. And then that's him. He's gone. Proper gone. And uh, he's, we've tried to put him back down to his uh, seat and he's spewed everywhere and he's gone in the wrong. Instead of going business class, well, Mike's always said he's gone into world class, the category. That's what he's like. And he's spewed <laughs> over everybody. So we've put him to bed. I've gone to back to the back of the plane trying to crack at it again. But nah, it was it was a hard record to beat. You, you talked before about your Leicester days. How was it once you got into that click with Harry Allison and, and Jim? What was Jim What was Jim like on the booze? What was Jim like as a teammate? Yeah, he was a great guy. You know, it's, it's like going to a new school to make you feel very welcome. And, and I got it straight into the click. And like my boy was, uh, was it, I think it was Walker, but every Wednesday we used to do. But he was, he, we were a lot wilder then. But um, could you could you go every Wednesday on the booze these days, or you couldn't? Could you? It was a Wednesday club, so you had to go out. <laughs> Otherwise, you get fined. You get most of the senior players out as well. So, but um, in a game on Saturday. Well, probably at the time we weren't playing for the first, so we were just doing the under twenty one. So right, right. So he was good. How how was Goody? I tell you, Goody is a fantastic player. He's, I'm going to brag him up a little bit tonight. Don't so, do that. So you can buy me a few beers later. But I tell you, what he's achieved in a game, he's he's a very good player. People moan about it when he was overweight, but what he could do in a game, his kick in, and he was a good player. He's a good guy. Every time someone comes... You love, love me for that now. Every time someone comes on podcast sessions, I ask them for some dirt on either of those two, and they always say nice things. I'm a lovely guy myself. <laughs> do you miss being in London? Obviously, you're back here now, and... You spent a bit of time at bit of time at Wasps. Um, you must have loved a good night out in London. Some good nights out in London. Any any nights in particular that you remember out in London? Maybe where you got a bit carried away. What, what question? I'm sure, there, I'm sure which, there might have been. Which meant. one's that now? The Cat Dealey one or the <laughs> Shepherd's Bush one? Tell me the oh the Cat Dealey one. Yeah. Tell me about that. What happened there? I think that's probably the best bird I pulled. She was a nine out of ten. Really? Yeah. You pulled Cat Dealey. Yeah. Just it was just a little kiss in the cheek. You know, nothing too much. Is that it? That's, yeah, if, if you do that in Wales, it's, def- it's definitely a pull. <laughs> um, Any numbers exchanged? We did um, We did exchange a number, but it didn't come to much. So what happened? You text the shit out of her, she didn't reply? Yeah, and it was one of the boys I was texting. No, no, I'm <laughs> joking. No, no. Have you been in a team where that's happened? <laughs> they did it to Xavier Rush. What, what happened? Um, I think, whatever, he must have uh, exchanged numbers in a nightclub. So, um one of the boys had gone to, can I have your phone this day? Because they, they were supposed to be going on a date. So uh, the boys were upstairs and he's come up the stairs and all the boys are sat on the table. And there's, there's girls there as well on the opposite table. And the boys are just ripping him. I tell you, ripping him apart. And what are they saying? Well, I, mean, I can't remember the words they're saying, but they were just, and he was propagating to, oh, she's a lovely bird. Can't wait to meet her. When he's gone to meet her, the boys are upstairs going to go, wee, fuck you, Rushy. But he used to love it. It's great, isn't it? That's what the game is about. What's the most brutal prank that you've ever, ever witnessed in a rugby team? I think um, Phil Vickery, um, Serge Betson was playing the Wasps at the time. So Phil is, Phil Vickery shot in um, <laughs> Serge Betson's towel, folded it up lovely, as Serge would keep it, and he's gone to wipe himself, dry himself, and there's shit everywhere. So, <laughs> but, that's, but Phil Vickery is a dirty man. Was there any retribution on that? No, Serge. I wouldn't say Serge was right. He was fine. Who who were worse, leagueies or or rugby union guys when it come to 
came to being brutal to teammates like that? Because you spent some time at Wigan, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. I'm tell you, I met some great guys there. I tell you, what a great club. You know, it's unfortunately what happened with me and with my neck. You know, and I think going for a bit of a bad time, you know, on and off the field where, you know, I was honest with uh, Sean Wayne and said, you know, I think it's right for me not to play anymore. But they are good guys. They can, I think when we won the Challenge Cup and the Super League that year, we did a five-day, they call it like a, they go on a piss on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm. And they might not go home to their wives for like five days, but their wives understand it. They don't get on with it, but they're great guys. But I think the Union boys are probably just a little bit better swiggers, I think. Like, how was the switch to league, like, on the rugby league, on the on the field side of it? Uh, I think I've always watched it as a kid, and, you know, the rules the rules are picked up quite quick, but it was just the, the high intensity of the game. I can remember played Castleford my first game, and I said to the coach, I'm ready, you know, I want to be a part of it. And I did eight, I think it was eight, ten minutes I did. And it was, like, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Really? I doubted myself on the field. I was questioning myself, am I good enough for the game? But then when the more you play, you can train as hard as you want. Mm. And I was good in training. But when you come to the game, it's just the intensity of the game goes up by 30%. And that's where I struggled. But the more games you play, the better it got. So So what was the hard thing about it? The, the, the fitness levels or the, the start that fitting into the systems? or I think it was just the contact area. You, have, you know, it's not just accepting the contact. You have to work hard in the contact to land on your feet to play the ball early. They, they want to try and put you on your back to get that three-second rule where you have to play the ball. If you land in your front, you can play the ball within a second, which puts the defence on the back foot. So mm. it was a tough game, but thoroughly enjoyed it. That must have been the hardest, one of the hardest parts because as from coming from a rugby union, you're trying to get that ball on the ground as quickly as possible, aren't you? So that, that's the way to play the ball quicker. Yeah. Whereas in league, you're trying to stay on your feet. You're trying to almost st- like lose, yeah, a, lose a maul if you're playing in rugby. Yeah, you're trying to... When they tackle you, you're trying to get back on your feet as quick as you can to play that ball yeah. without somebody holding you up. But um, I probably, you know, I don't look back and regret it, but if I'd gone there sooner in, in my career, well, I did have a chance. Brian uh, Noble rang me up. I was 19, playing for Newport, and he said, I had a call in the car going back to Brecon, and he said, I am here, it's Brian Noble here. Just want to let you know, would you be interested in coming to Rugby League? And I was like, guess fuck off boys I think it's one of the lads winding me up mm. and he said it again said it again and I thought shit it's Brian Noble on the phone I said Brian I'm awfully sorry he said no problem at all but I thought one of the boys was stitching me up about because everybody was saying you should go to league but he contacted me when I was 19 going to rugby league and you know I think it was too soon in my career I wanted to achieve a lot in my union career and you know I probably went there too late And but you know it's not a regret it's uh, something which I enjoyed you know to play with some of the legends like Sam Tompkins um Sean O'Loughlin, Mickey McClorum, but other guys, Ben Flower, you know, some great guys. Do you look back and think that maybe you would have been a better league player or a better union player? I wouldn't say. I just, you know, I was very athletic as a youngster and I probably, earlier on in my career, probably been better at league. But I think the older I've got, I've gone to learn more things, which which is, you know, most people do. But, you know, I think I was a late learner. So, you know, it's something which I enjoyed. Do you, now that you're sort of out of, Rugby, do you get to travel around and see a few more places than what what you used to? The reason why I ask is um, there was a story about um, a pizza delivery van in, in, in Poland. Um, did you get to Poland anymore? <laughs> no. what, what happened there? I think it was my first week in Wasp. We decided to go to um, Poland on a well, cryo-chamber trip, you know, train hard, you get your cryo-chamber ready for pre-season. So I think it was the last night before we flew home. We were allowed a few beers, so we ordered a bit of a kangaroo court. So as we're coming home, there's a pizza place where I thought, right, we're going there, bit of pe- a few pieces of pizza, have a bit of a laugh, have a few beers. There was this delivery, a three-wheeler, like a Del Boy car. So I thought it was just stuck in the ground. 
Well, I didn't realise it was a delivery car, so I've tipped it up. And I didn't realise the guy who was delivering the pizza was in the driver's seat. And this has gone down four or five times on the bank. And he eventually crawls up the car and I think, oh, my God, he, I could have killed him. So we, I think we give him, I don't know what it is, schlotties, I think, out there. We give him about 4,000 schlotties, which is a currency out there, which is about 300 quid for this van. But I'm thinking, I'm landed by you. I thought it was going to cost me four grand. So the next morning, Tony Hanks has called a meeting and said, right, whoever's um, done that, can you stay behind? So I've stayed behind. He goes, why are you here? I said, it was me, Tony. And he said, what, what was going on? I said, well, I don't even know what was going on, but fair dues to him. He was, uh, he was fine with me. I paid uh, 3,000 schlotties, which is 300 quid. It was a bargain, really. So they got a, I think they got a new three-wheeler car there now. So it's, uh, <laughs> it looks a lot better than the one I did. Well, they've got a fleet now. They would have bought a fleet with what you pay for. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was uh, another wild moment in my career, but uh, good story. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Apart from um, crazy nights abroad, as far as your post-rugby career goes, you were recently sort of, uh, you were recently linked to uh, Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we're back in, what was it, May, June at a meeting and I, oh, Got them the last 25, but oh, shit happens. Oh, so you're right in the mix. Yeah, right in the mix. Shit happens. But I think they went for Harry Redknapp instead of me. Yeah, I think he's a bit uh, higher fame than me. So yeah. uh, wait till I see him. So what? how did that process work? Because like, did you have to do any or do any sort of trials or anything like that? No, just at, just at, uh, we just had a meeting for 45 minutes and... Yeah. What, what sort of questions they're asking you? You know, do you like snakes? Do you like stuff? Like, I, I said, yeah, I love snakes, love spiders. Oh, see, Give it this a big is run. where you're going wrong. Because they're looking for someone that's going to be good on camera. Some big Welsh rugby player is going to be scared of spiders or 
snakes or something. You should have been saying, yeah. I am petrified of them. Maybe next year I'll say that. Yeah. But I, think, I, think, oh, I just think Harry Net Red Nut, yeah, I'm not happy with that. But um, it would have been good fun. People need to vote for me for next year. So can you vote celebrities in? Well, I don't know. You can try. We Word could start a campaign off now. We could start it off. Pauli in the jungle. Pauli in the, the jungle. jungle. Well, no, give no. it a go in that. Pauli in the jungle. jungle Pauli in, in the jungle. jungle. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. It's got, it's got a good ring to it. Have you thought about Celebrity Big Brother or anything else like that? Any of those guys come knocking? Like... Oh, we'll see what happens. It'd be, it'd, be, I, it'd be a bit of fun, you know. I just like a little bit of drama, a little bit of fun. It'd be good. It'd be a good crack. If you could have three different celebrities over for dinner, any celebrities, they could be dead or alive, who, who would who would you take? Oh, mate, without a doubt, Razor Ruddock. I've got the good good friends with him. He's a top bloke. I so like, you're going for someone that you're friends with? Yeah, Razor Ruddock, he's good fun. And yeah. then maybe somebody, ooh, what else would I go for? What's a tough one? David Becker, maybe? He's probably got a wild edge to him, hasn't he? I bet he's got plenty of stories to tell. He would have a hell of a book. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Mike Tyson would be right. Fuck yes. He would be I've met him loose. once. I've met him once. Have you? Yeah. How did that? What? What? Yeah, I met him once in the Vale. And I tell you what, a lovely guy. How did you meet him and what did you talk about? I think he was doing some sort of stuff, uh, charity stuff with the boxing. Yeah. Um, I think it was, um, I think, I'm trying to think, there was a legend, legend boxer from Merthyr and he was up seeing his grave. I'm trying to think, Johnny Owen, the boxer, I right. think he's a legend from Merthyr. Right. So I think he was up on his grave, putting a whatever down and... And he came back, he was staying at the Vale and got to meet him. But what a lovely guy. Probably the best boxer heavyweight there's ever yeah, been yeah, yeah. In, in the world. So what did he say to you? Hey, Pally, what's, what's going on there, He knew Pally? me quite well, actually. No, he didn't know. He just had a photo and that was it. Oh, Pally, let the, me hear, Pally. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> nah, he's, a, he's a good guy. So, okay, so... Will Smith. That could be a good mix. Yes. That could be a good mix. These are, re- these are three really good people. Um, and another one as well, Michael Schumacher. I'm going to have to chuck that one in there. Michael Schumacher. Back, or back in the day, Michael Schumacher. Yeah, but you need, you need different, you know, personalities to make a... So you do them all the same. Let's talk about Will Smith, because he would have some stories. Oh, mate, Fresh what Prince. legend of a guy. I think, I remember Jamie Roberts telling me he was in Monaco for the Grand Prix and he was sponsored by Red Bull. He probably still is now. And he met Will Smith and he was on the piss with him after in Monaco in the Casino Square. And he said, what a legend of a really? guy. Really? Just Loves having a beer as well. Oh, does he? I, I like proper down to earth. I don't see him like that. I see. Yeah. I would see him as a gin and tonic, and and, and then I'm going home. No, nah. that's how I see him. That's Jamie Roberts all over. That is. <laughs> he, he eats drink at a pint. Oh my god, he's unreal. Really? He used to be sipping his. He used to be out just sipping his little gin and tonic like out with his little straw, just twirling it around. And I guess, mate, come on, you need to grow some fucking oh, balls, oh, beer, bud. Such a big lad as well. Yeah. He must look ridiculous. To he's him, a good. Man. He's a good boy. He's a good kid. All right, well, thank you very much for coming along. Good laugh. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. 
Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at Ugg.com.